worship team. Let's give this uh, worship team some encouragement, huh? So good to be together. Thank you. Thank you. Well, good morning. It's good to see you, those that are here, and it's also great to see you, church, this morning. Uh, it is so good to worship Jesus with you, and uh, I'm really excited to safely resume worship services uh, next Sunday. So uh, as you heard from Mark, you'll get an email and you'll be able to RSVP so we can keep everybody safe as we return, and we're looking forward to worshiping with you. We've got a few people here this morning. We're kind of testing things out, so it's great to see you guys as well. And uh, we're going to be learning how to speak to and engage two different audiences. Um, we're looking forward to worshiping with those who want to worship in person, and we're also looking forward to continuing to worship with you if you're online. Uh, so we've got to learn how to do two things at the same time, so please pray for us. Um, and let's not allow the divisive enemy to make our attitudes about in-person meetings a matter of faith or wisdom. Let's recognize that we're all processing this pandemic in different ways, with different situations, with different family members, with different risk levels, and so on and so forth. So let's remain united and humble. And uh, also, let's continue to say no to fear and judgment. Amen? Amen. All right, cool. Well, today we are closing the Rethink series, and uh, this is the series, uh, the subtitle has been Asking the Questions That Matter, and uh, we've covered 10 of the most important questions that you can ask in life in this series, and these are 10 basic questions that every disciple of Jesus should be able to give an answer to, to anyone who asks. So I want to encourage you with uh, th this series, uh, it's going to be uh, archived on our website if you want the video, but also it's going to be archived on our podcast uh, channel and uh, encourage you to review them, to share them with friends who may be asking questions, and also to use them in your family discipleship. Uh, they will, these talks will equip you to be able to answer some of the most common questions that we face in terms of the purpose of life, who is Jesus, is the Bible trustworthy, etc. Um, today we're asking the last question, and hopefully this is a question that we're going to ask every single day for the rest of our lives, which is, what's next, Jesus? What's next today, Jesus? What are we doing today, Father? What are we doing today, Holy Spirit? So uh, it'd be a little bit of a vision reset for us because we're heading into a very challenging and difficult new school year. And I believe with that, we need to learn to engage with Jesus more intimately and more obediently as we seek his voice because it's his voice that's going to lead us out of uh, horrible decisions and out of bad attitudes and out of stinking thinking. It's his voice that's going to do that. And in John 14, 15, Jesus says, if you love me, you will obey what I say. And so we're going to apply to that. So let's turn to Matthew 7. 
Uh, our text for today is going to begin in verse 15 through to the end of the Sermon on the Mount. We think it's fitting to end this foundational series uh, uh, on Jesus' teaching with the foundational teaching, the end of this foundational teaching in the Sermon on the Mount. So hopefully you've been reading and pondering the text this, morning, this week and you're ready to engage with us in understanding, applying, and obeying what Jesus is saying to us today. All right, so let's dive in. Matthew chapter 7, I'm going to read from verses 15 to 29. Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but bad trees bear bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, and in your name drive out demons, and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. Let's pray. Father, uh, help us today to understand, to apply, to obey the words of Jesus. Fill us with your Holy Spirit, with the power to do that, we ask in Jesus' name. And the church said, Amen. Amen. All right. So, whew, there is nothing more bracing in all of the Bible uh, that addresses itself to the question of what's next. Jesus, of course, is finishing his foundational teaching and he's talking about life outcomes. And he's talking about what he expects of us as his disciples. He's telling us how to build our lives, and that includes how to navigate a chaotic, unpredictable school year ahead. Jesus is contrasting two basic ways to live, uh, the kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness. The kingdom of light overcomes, and the kingdom of darkness leads its proponents to destruction. True and false prophets produce true and false disciples, respectively. So it matters who we are listening to. 
It matters who we are listening to. True disciples are the ones who apply and obey the true teaching of Jesus. False disciples might look the part, but eventually their lives crash under the pressures of life. And make no mistake, what we're in right now, COVID-19, pandemic, uh, economic disruption, uh, election cycle, we're in a life pressure cooker. And that life pressure cooker is impacting us all. And uh, for us to live a life that's going to flourish in that environment, we need to be clearly with Jesus. Clearly with Jesus. So today we're going to explore two questions in a more interactive format. Okay, And we're going to try to help us engage with Jesus and also to encourage one another in the small groups of people you came with here today, people you're sitting with at home. We're going to encourage you to process these questions and then we're going to open up some time for discussion and sharing. And we are going to be monitoring social media. So if you have a question or a comment, uh, we're going to try to deal with that in real time and recognize, if you're online, recognize there's a slight delay between where you are and where we are right now. It takes about, I guess, 45 seconds for all this to happen. So don't worry about that. Just fire away when you're ready. So here's the two questions. How do I know that I really belong to Jesus and that I am not one of the people who's going to be surprised? How do I know that? And secondly, am I walking well in life's challenges or does my life constantly get washed out by trials? Am I walking well in life challenges, or do my, does my life constantly get washed out by trials? So I'm going to invite Jamie up, and he's going to process question number two. I'm going to process question number one and lead into that. So um, Jamie, come on up, brother. You guys welcome him? Yeah? All right. My partner in crime, and... Uh, uh, it's good to be with you, brother, this morning. So, look, Jesus indicates that many people who think they're Christians are on the way to heaven are in for a shocking surprise. Even people with big spiritual gifts and big miraculous ministries will be excluded from the kingdom. That, that might sound crazy, but this seems to be connected to this issue of false prophets, people whose voices influence people down the road to false discipleship. Some that look like sheep are going to be revealed as wolves, and Jesus says it's just going to be obvious by their fruit. Uh, and it's said another way, listening to them and watching their behaviors will be revelatory. And that's, by the way, the danger of podcasts and all these other things we got going on around us because we don't know many of the people we're listening to. We don't know who they really are. So, I watched a video this week. Let me give you an example. I watched a video this week. Actually, two people that I know, not, not from the church, but two people sent it to me. And it's a prophet who said he'd had a, a, a major revelation from Jesus. And uh, he's being interviewed on another ministry. And he said uh, some things that felt pretty true and basic to our faith. He said, hey, at this time, the key thing you got to do is pray. And the other key thing you got to do is prepare if you got a little extra food and water and whatever. Uh, but his message was ultimately about politics, voting, forecasts of disaster if you didn't do the particular thing he wanted you to do. And then there was an extended commercial for his books and DVDs. 
So it left me feeling like lots of people were going to watch this. And this is a, a, a video that was getting hundreds of thousands of views. A lot of people were going to spend money only to be left fretting about the election. And uh, I know uh, we have to use our judgment and we have to make judgment calls, but we need to be careful about this, this false prophet. Jesus told us a lot of different ways in a lot of different of the Gospels how to prepare for days of trial. He made it clear there would be trouble and suffering. In John 16, 33, the night before he was killed, here's what he said. I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart because I have overcome the world. With economic disruption, pandemic and fear everywhere, severe educational challenges that we face in the year ahead, uh, and divisive election rhetoric, it seems clear what Jesus is saying. We should expect a turbulent year in which those who are connected to Jesus are going to flourish, and those who are not will struggle. Now, as an extreme example, let me tell you about a guy who took Jesus' advice a long time ago. His name was James Stockdale. He's a Navy pilot who spent eight years in captivity and torture in Vietnam. Uh, he uh, was surrounded by fellow American prisoners of war. The optimistic prisoners, the one who said, surely we'll be, we'll be rescued by Thanksgiving, surely we'll be rescued by Christmas. Those, those guys... The, the optimists, they were the first to give in and start telling their captors whatever they wanted to hear. Then the next to give up were the pessimistic prisoners because even in pessimism, you finally run out of gas. But Stockdale lived by this realistic, realistically optimistic motto, and here's his motto. You must never confuse faith that you will prevail in the end, uh, you, which you can never afford to lose with the discipline to confront the most brutal facts of your current reality, whatever they might be. Let me say that again. You must never confuse faith that you will prevail in the end, which you can never afford to lose, with the discipline to confront the most brutal facts of your current reality, whatever they might be. In other words, the Father is greater than all fear and all torture. Jesus is greater than COVID-19 and anything else the world throws at us. And the Holy Spirit is greater than any disruption that we can imagine. So here's the question. What makes you unwaveringly secure that you belong to Jesus? What makes you doubt your place with Jesus? Some, some of us have doubts. Looking at the brutal facts facing us in the year ahead, this is dads working in their basements while moms are upstairs homeschooling their kids and whatever else might come our way. How are you going to make sure that you know Jesus, that you walk with him intimately, and that he knows you? So I'm putting this question up on the board. Uh, how do I know that I really belong to Jesus and that I am not one of these people who will be surprised? So what we're going to do is we're going to release you to a two-minute discussion. And during that discussion, you can think of questions, you can think of your testimony, uh, you can think of comments, but discuss it here in the live audience just discuss it amongst yourselves uh, the group you came with uh, at home just discuss it there'll be a two-minute countdown on the screen 
and then we're going to come back and start sharing uh, what you guys have. All right, thanks. Welcome back. Uh, I know we didn't give you a whole ton of time, but on one level, it's a pretty basic question, isn't it? So how, how did you uh, process that question? What are some of the ways that you have uh, this sense? I mean, obviously, this question talks about our identity. It talks about our uh, assurance of our salvation. It talks about how we actually know and walk with Jesus. So any comments from the from the floor on what what you what you discussed? Okay, so conviction of sin is uh, a real marker when you are convicted of sin. That's a real marker that your conscience, the Holy Spirit in you, is speaking to you, uh, and and that's typically pretty specific. It's typically the enemy likes to tar you with a big long brush big wide brush but the Lord speaks to you you know the way you handled that conversation with your wife needs to be needs to be sorted out he's very specific all right great conviction of sin Burr yep So God is, God is sovereign. We should not let things like elections worry us because he's working these things out through his people for his good purposes. Okay, so it's a, it's a trust in the sovereignty of God. All right? Nudge?
Yeah. That's great. So uh, Naj is sharing that uh, she was experiencing a lot of fear and trepidation because of uh, the job changes she was facing as an educator. And the Lord reminded her uh, to come to him, not to worry about the circumstances. And she's asking the Lord every morning uh, to examine her. Um, if you're doing that and you're asking the Lord to show you, he will show you your sin. Now, we had a question from online, which is, all right, so how do you evaluate a false prophet? Uh, in other words, be wise to that, but also to avoid judgment. And so, uh, again, I would say we have to look at the fruit, the observable fruit. In the example I shared, I did not tell you the name of this prophet. I did not, I did, I'm not putting any judgment on them. I'm simply raising the question that occurred to me, which was, all right, this is leaving me with the idea that what I should do in response is buy DVDs and fret. You know, that's not good fruit. That's just not helpful or fruitful. So, all right, anybody else? I was just going to throw something out there. Um, I'm not sure this is on. <laughs> but I will throw this out there anyway. Um, I think it's counterintuitive sometimes because in a religious system, we think perfection. So we base our relationship with God based off of, did I do the right things? And so when we have this discussion of conviction of sin, bearing fruit, sometimes people get a little bit twisted on that. Those of us who are disciplined by the Lord are loved by the Lord because he's a good father. So when, when sin gets exposed in my life, that's not actually an indication, oh, you're a terrible person. That's actually an indication I'm in faith because something is being exposed in my life. And so sometimes that doesn't feel great because I think I'm, I'm walking down the road and I think I'm doing great and everything's fine. And then he exposes, man, the way you talk to your kids, that was not right, Jamie. And there's a tendency for the enemy to say, well, now, you know, you messed up, you're done. He doesn't love you anymore. But it's actually counterintuitive. That when he loves us, he will prune us back, and it doesn't feel good. But that's how fruit comes. We abide in Jesus, and fruit is coming as we're pruned back. So just as an encouragement to you, if you haven't felt conviction of sin, that's where we should be nervous. It's good. Yeah. All right, any other ways that you know you're... Yes, Tilly. So Tilly's telling us how you know is you can feel the discipline and power of the Lord. Awesome. Excellent. You bet. You bet. Anybody else? Eddie. Oh, Eddie. Right. So for Eddie, he's saying love at the beginning of COVID-19, lots of battles on social media and learning how to accept others with a different point of view than yours. Uh, and that, that's, 
you know, Jamie was talking earlier about the religious system and perfection mentality, and sometimes we have to recognize there's going to be, uh, you know, believers that are comfortable worshiping in, in person, and there's going to be others that want to prefer to stay online. And we just have to accept one another. Paul wrote two chapters in the book of Romans about that very subject, chapter 14 and chapter 15. He was saying we have to accept one another uh, out of reverence for Christ. All right, excellent one. The witness of the Holy Spirit bears witness with my spirit that I am a child of God, Romans 8.15. So you can, you can check that out. Um, any, other, uh, any others? We got about a minute left. The, the promises of Scripture that nothing can separate us from God's love. I, uh, I, the Word of God, guys. I, I had an email from a friend, and they've been pursuing a, a certain ministry in a certain direction, and they've been examining the Word of God, and they've becoming increasingly convicted by the Word of God that some of the things they're holding to are not true. And so they're now moving away from that. Um, there was a uh, pastor who's connected with one of our ministries here, uh, the, the Herbert W. Armstrong's Worldwide Church of God. And it was, it was uh, found to be a complete cult, but there was a part of that church that studied the book of Galatians. And that church had moved into the error that you can be saved by your works. And that they read the book of Galatians together and they said, oh my gosh, what we're teaching is not true. And they, they took a section of that church into, back into an orthodox relationship with Jesus Christ because they read the book of Galatians and they saw the truth that salvation is by grace. So that's another, uh, the word of God, absolutely. Last thing, uh, I just wanted to pick up again on that judgment piece, um, especially election year. Um, I found in my own heart that sometimes I will feel my heart actually hardening towards someone because I hear them saying something that's different than what I believe or what I understand. And I've, I've really been challenged by that by the Lord because um, we begin to slip into accusation and demonization. So I'll look at someone and, and say, well, they believe this. They must be not following Jesus. But the enemy is the accuser, not the father. So when I slip into that, I'm bearing not Abba's fruit. I'm bearing the enemy's fruit. I'm bearing accusation against someone. And so just watching your heart towards someone else, especially in this season, um, someone will say something to me, and I can feel my heart harden towards them. And I realize that's an indication I'm not in a healthy place right now with regard to that person. I need to confess that and get that out as quickly as possible. So just as an encouragement to us, um, we are not always right. <laughs> right. So Liz Baker is commenting on Facebook. Uh, she says the promises of God's word, that if we trusted him, we are his children and we are sealed with the Holy Spirit. My feelings can fluctuate. Yeah. 
but his word is faithful and true. So if you've had that moment where you have um, believed in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord and that God raised him from the dead, you are saved. And that, that is true. That is, that is the confession of your mouth and the belief in your heart. So we're going we're gonna to move on to question number two. Jamie's going to facilitate us through that. Okay, uh, question two is, we're basing this on Matthew seven fifteen to 29. I know that uh, Dennis just read that, um, but I'm going to read it again. Actually, it's 24 to 29. Let me just read this again just to remind us uh, what Jesus said. He says, Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall, because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. And when Jesus finished these sayings, the crowds were astonished at his teaching, for he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as their scribes. So it's interesting, Jesus ends the Sermon on the Mount and, and this teaching, he ends with an illustration and a parable. And this is actually the first parable in the Gospel of Matthew, which is interesting to me. A lot of preachers will say, well, you need to start with something fun at the beginning, some sort of story, illustration. Jesus starts teaching and then ends with the illustration. And the illustration here is two people building a house. And what Jesus is saying is that hearing his words and obeying those words mm -hmm. equals a well-built life. And then he says the second person hears the words but doesn't obey. And that person is also building a life, building a house, but that person is building their house on sand. And it's interesting, both people are building their lives. They're both building a house. And they could look exactly the same. Only storms reveal whether they've built their house on the words of Jesus or not. And here's the deal. Storms are coming for all of us. So it's a very practical statement. And so this illustration, I got a picture up here of a house. And you can see all of these rooms. See the, the kids room there with the crib, see the bathroom, the garage, the attic with all the boxes. And the question is, how are you obeying Jesus' words as you build your life? How are you obeying Jesus' word? How are you obeying as you're going to work and building a career, right? How do Jesus' words actually affect that room of your house? And, and the way that you engage with your spouse or with your family how is that being built in a way that's obeying Jesus' words? And then the question, what room needs to be remodeled? You know, uh, some people make the comment that uh, they will treat Jesus like an app on the phone. Like, I'm just going to add the app. I got the Jesus app. I'm just going to click on it, and I'm going to play on that app. And, and I've heard preachers say, no, Jesus is actually the entire operating system. He's not an app that we add on and then we look at. He is the driver of all that's happening in our lives. So I just want to press that question. In your work life, in your family life, 
in your financial life? Which of those rooms right now is not being built according to the words of Jesus? Does that make sense what I'm asking? And then secondly, just to get real practical, because it's still abstract, get real practical, we need to examine our approach to Scripture. This is James 1.22. James writes, and this is three different translations, uh, and then I'll paraphrase so you can get it. Be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. In the NLT, but don't just listen to God's word. <laughs> you must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. And then Eugene Peterson, helpfully here, paraphrasing. Don't fool yourself into thinking that you are a listener when you are anything but. Letting the word go in one ear and out the other. Act on what you hear. This is really scary to me, if I'm being honest. Because I'm a Bible guy. (laughs) I'm a seminary guy. How many times have I read the Bible and it did not change my life? How many times did I read the Word and my, my behavior never changed? And I felt good about reading the Word. Like, I, yeah, I did my quiet time. Awesome. But nothing changed. You know what that is, according to the Bible? I'm lying to myself. I'm deceiving myself. I'm walking around thinking that I'm doing fine because I read some ink on a piece of paper. So the enemy is happy for you and I to listen to sermons, come to church, do our Bible studies, as long as it doesn't change our life. He's happy for you to listen to podcasts all day. Listen to the best preachers. Go back and listen to the old school ones, Martin Lloyd-Jones. As long as it doesn't change your life. That's what he's, he's doing. So... I'm pressing this point. There's a great delusion in the American church, in the Western church, the North American church, that information is better than transformation. That knowing about God is sufficient rather than knowing God and actually following him and actually doing what he's called us to do. And so I I get nervous, and Dennis is going to press this because I know he loves it. Uh, Last couple weeks he's been loving this. I'm just going to tee him up so he can talk about it. But Unfortunately, even us as pastors, we're conditioning ourselves and you to think that it's okay to come to church and then it never changes your life. Like we're conditioning ourselves to listen to sermon after sermon after sermon after sermon and feel good about that, but it doesn't actually change my life. So hear the question. I'm going to throw it back to y'all and at home as well. Just take a couple minutes. Hear the questions to answer. Am I building my life, my house, on the words of Jesus by obeying him? Or am I risking being washed out? And then the second question, what is my approach to the word? What's what's my approach to this word? This is not a safe book, friends. It's not safe. It's good, like... The Aslan quote, right? The kids are asking the beavers, well, is he, is, he, is he safe? The beaver said, no, Aslan is not safe, but he's good. This is not a safe book because if we read it the way Jesus has called us to read it, it will change us. It's not safe for my workplace. It's not safe for my wife or my kids because it's going to change Jamie. That's the way it's designed to be read. So that's the question. 
what is your approach to the word? Are you, when you read it in the morning during your quiet time, are you yielding and expecting the next 24 hours to be different because you read it? So are you building your life? All the rooms in your life, are they being built on the words of Jesus by obeying him? And what's your approach to the word? Two minutes. It's a simple topic in two minutes. No problem. Go ahead. Okay, so if you're online, if you've got some questions and some thoughts, some answers to that question, please go ahead and put those into the chat. Uh, live people here, what kind of responses do we have in our discussion of those two questions? Talk to us. So the solid foundation, listening and obeying. What else? Right, right. So listening is wonderful for knowledge, but if you don't act on it, then you're in trouble. It, it, it begs the point, though, what about when we're not even listening? <laughs> because this, this all assumes that we're actually reading the Word. 
So, uh, yeah, if I'm not even listening, how can I obey what I'm, what I'm not even listening to and reading? Yeah, so really good point. What else? We have uh, Beverly uh, Toomey on Facebook saying, um, there's been a lot about this pandemic that has been very revealing. Uh, I would encourage all of us to examine what COVID-19 has threatened the most uh, as, as the way to identify what room needs the most remodeling work. So to ask yourself, where have you felt threatened um, by COVID-19? It's a good, good, excellent point, Beverly. Yeah, because COVID-19, we can be honest, that feels like a storm for almost everyone, right? And the way we're feeling about it gives us a lot of indication. It's a great diagnostic. Am I obeying Jesus? Well, based off of the way I'm feeling about COVID, could be an indication. Like if I feel like I'm spiraling out of control and I feel like I'm on shifting sand, that could be a diagnostic that I have not been obeying the words of Jesus in my life. (laughs) Again, back to Liz's point, feelings aren't always exactly what's happening. But when you're on shifting sand, you feel it. Amen? Yeah. Yeah. Other thoughts? Yeah, Sammy. I think... Um, is working up? Uh, um, I think, like, comparing it to parenting, like, my children are listening. My two-year-old's listening, obeying when he's sitting still. But my seven-year-old's past that point. If she's just sitting still, mm. like, it's not enough. Like, I need, I need more out of her. And so... I think there's like that tension of also asking like what's next you know like okay I've listened and obeyed here but if I just stay here it's there good. comes to a point where mm, it's, it's disobeying good. Yeah, that's good. it's good yeah so we are, we ought to be expecting a trajectory in our life of, of greater obedience to the we should see things changing good You shouldn't, you, you should just do exactly what he said. You shouldn't take a risk or do anything else. All right. Preach it. Preach it. Preach it, Tilly. All right. Anybody else? Dennis, you can correct me on this, but I was thinking that, um, I, th- I think I remember this, that the Jewish understanding of Shema hear, O Israel, that the Jewish understanding of hearing is hearing and obeying? Like, like a, a Jewish approach uh, towards hearing God is also obeying. And so it's almost like we've divorced the two somehow. That we said hearing doesn't mean obeying, it just means hearing. So uh, maybe us going back to some, uh, some of our Jewish uh, heritage of obeying and hearing. Steve? I think, Jamie, for me, when I read Scripture and it has the potential just to be information, what I'm trying to do, I did it this week with God's power, where I read the verse in 2 Timothy, and um, I just felt like too often I don't um, believe strong enough that God's power is in me. And so I really tried to meditate on that point for a couple of days and really challenge myself. So for me... If I see God's truth to meditate on it, then that will 
make me a doer of it and not just a hearer. That's good. That's good. <clears throat> I think we also forget the just awesome things God has planned for us, and we think by obeying it's going to be, you know, by obeying it's a bad thing, but God has such wonderful things in store for us if we obey. So it's not, it's yeah. not the confining us to obey, it's yeah. expanding us. So, so just as an encouragement to all of us, and I'm, I'm preaching to myself right now, is thinking about, okay, tomorrow morning when you get up and you read the text, to ask the Holy Spirit to give you one change for that day. Like for the next 24 hours, based off of what I've read, what one thing am I going to do? Because I'm thinking about this maturity thing that Sammy's talking about. It's like a step by step by step. Because if you read the text, you're like, and now I have to evangelize 35 million people. Well, that may not, you know. But what if the one step was, when I get on that Zoom call with my coworkers, I'm going to smile, and I'm going to tell them about what God is speaking to me this morning when I read the scriptures. And maybe not even quoting scripture. I'm just, this is what, in my time of being alone, this yeah. is what I'm hearing. Mm -hmm. And it's just saying something, one simple thing. So just as an encouragement to train ourselves so we're not deluding ourselves every single day. But what would it look like if every day there was one thing I did intentionally based off of the text that I read that morning? It's good. So just encouraging practical. Uh, John Cowell on Facebook is uh, reminding us, too, that our motive really matters. He reminds us in chapter 6, talk, Jesus says, do not do acts of righteousness to be seen by others. Uh, if you do, you'll have no reward. When you give to somebody in need, uh, do it privately, or else that'll be your reward. So he's, he's, I think he's raising the point that this whole process of obedience has to be, there, there's an intimacy to it. It's between us and Jesus. And we're letting, we're letting it come out, like Jamie said in the Zoom call to the coworker or to the neighbor or whatever. We're not doing it um, to, to gain reward, but we're actually building a life. We're building a house, and it's our, it's our inward character that Jesus is really interested in. All right, time for one more. Well, good job this morning, everybody. This is a bit of an unusual format, but we really felt strongly that coming into this, um, we really needed to uh, engage with the Lord and with the Word in some fresh ways. And uh, I, I want to talk a little bit about that as, as we close this morning because uh, I just want to encourage you, before I do that, to take each of the questions and boil your, boil your thing uh, down to one, one thing you can do today, your I will statement for today. Today I will. And write that out and share it with someone you're accountable to uh, because th this is where we actually put, the rubber hits the road, we put things into practice. And um, Liz Baker is, is commenting right now on Facebook that you know God changes us as we obey uh, as we read his word and then we walk with him in obedience and he does that over time so if we do one little thing every day yeah. you know 
one little practical thing every day, the cumulative effect of that, you know, like the Proverbs talk about the ants. The ants do that little bit of thing every day, and the next thing you know, they have this underground city that they've built. So uh, I, I just want to thank everybody, uh, and I, I just want to say, like, today, Jesus' words are, like, really grave. There's a weight to the words of Jesus. And we have to ask ourselves if we have become conditioned uh, and so information-oriented and so shallow in our response to the authority of Jesus and to the authority of his words. Uh, and this is, you know, we, we, if, I, if I say something I, you know, keeps me up at night, it's the idea that I do a brilliant sermon and everybody walks out thinking, they, they've heard something brilliant and that's all they need yeah. today yeah. And, and that's like it defeats itself so this is why we're doing this approach here for a bit but if you think about it and Beverly mentioned this on Facebook it, in this pandemic Jesus has stripped everything away almost everything away and what, what he wants is he wants the church and he wants the world to see him not the big program not the whatever that, that we do, not the big uh, outdoor uh, visible things, but he, he wants the people to see him. And he wants us to depend on him and abide in him. And he, he actually says that the only way to produce fruit is to abide in me, is to, is to be connected to the vine and, and let me prune that thing back, like Jamie said, and, and you'll make more fruit. That's what he says. And so by seeking him in the word and the spirit and in community, the, the peace we're dealing with this morning actually is community because we're talking amongst ourselves about what this means and we're engaging in it. And we'll have, then if we do those things, we will have a thriving life regardless of the circumstances around us. So looking to 2021, we believe with all of our hearts, Jesus does not want to go back to where we were pre-COVID. He wants a different church. He wants to engage us in a, believe, a, a new wineskin, a new adventure of radical intimacy and obedience. And he wants us to practice that together. Let me repeat that. Jesus does not want to go back to way, the way things were. He wants us to engage in a new adventure of radical intimacy and obedience. And this is going to happen prayerfully on Sunday and then through the rest of the week with our small groups and everything. So if we do this by the Spirit in community, that will allow us to flourish no matter what happens in the environment around us. And it is the, 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 uh, this goal, our goal in this season is to, is to double down on discipleship. It's to double down on making disciples with the focus being I will. I will. And we want to move away from that temptation to be discipled into disobedience. So let me challenge you, like if you've got a podcast or you've got things you listen to each week, pull something out of them and do something. Do something and, and make that, whatever you've decided to do, make yourself accountable to somebody else. And we're going to be seeking to maximize everybody's engagement with Jesus. That's where we're going to get life. And uh, 
We're going to let you know the text for Sundays in advance, a week in advance. Uh, we hope everybody's going to engage with the text, that you're going to engage in community discussion on Sundays in our small groups. You may be sharing a, a quarantine bubble with one or two families. Okay, then share that discussion with those families uh, and also your accountability partner. And this is going to be a collective journey of obedience. And if you are inclined, you are not required, but if you are inclined because you think it will help you become more obedient, post your I will on a chat with the community you're walking with, uh, with the church, if that's something you want to be accountable for. So that's where we're headed for uh, the fall. And uh, here's what we're going to do next. We're going uh, to return to the Old Testament. If you noticed, ever since COVID hit, we've been in the New Testament. Uh, we're going to shift back to the Old Testament, and we're going to do a character study. Last Advent, we studied Ruth, and that was incredibly profitable. I had lots of comments on that. So this week, or this fall, we're going to study the life of David and specifically what it means to be after God's heart, to be chasing after God's heart, all of which is going to point us all to Jesus. So next Sunday's texts are going to be 1 Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 16 and Psalm 23. We're going to we're not going to necessarily comment on every verse of Scripture, but we're going to work through the text's key ideas, key questions, and we're going to lead one another into making I will statements about how the life of David uh, informs how we should walk through. And he experienced plenty of chaos. He experienced plenty of difficulty. He was a, a human, flawed human, plenty of sin. We're going to see the ups and downs of David's life they will be speaking to us as we look at that through the lens of Jesus. So, uh, to wrap up today, Jesus is engineering a fundamental shift in his church. He is moving us away from uh, any form of spectator uh, uh, relationship with him, and he wants to engage us in a fresh adventure of intimate obedience, and that's what we're going to dive into uh, David's life with and that, by the way, that idea of intimate obedience, that's his love language. That's what he loves. So uh, worship team, you guys can come on up, and I'm going uh, to close us today. But he wants to continue to transform our homes into ministry centers. And many of you have so encouraged me that your home is the center of ministry. The Bible's being taught. The Holy Spirit is being taught. Uh, manifested. You're worshiping. You're reaching out to your neighbors. That's precisely what we want to continue to do uh, as we move outward in obedience to Jesus uh, into the community and into our friend group. So uh, let, me, uh, let me pray over that adventure, and then Royce and the team will lead us uh, into the final closing worship song. Father, we pray that as we have asked the questions that matter, that you would remind us of your truth and your grace and your call to obedience. As we may feel uncomfortable, Lord, making this shift, let us be reminded that you are only asking us to do what you modeled, Jesus. Let us be reminded that, Jesus, your commands are not burdensome, that your yoke is easy and your burden is light. 
that we need to trust and obey you to have a life that truly flourishes. So, Father, we ask for this in the power of the Holy Spirit, for the glory of Jesus. And the church agreed and said, Amen. All right, well, let's close our service with a hymn about trusting and obeying.